Welcome to the Good Reading Magazine podcast. Good Reading is a monthly magazine dedicated to books and reading and aims to help readers discover their next favourite book. You can find out more about the books discussed on today's podcast at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. Jules has prepped hard for this moment. She studied Margot de Laurent's predilections, knows the woman's style and taste as though it were her own. She carefully assembled her look tonight. Gone is the bookish journalist, and in her place emerged this other being, elegant, sexy, and suggestive. Jules's unruly chestnut curls are blown out into beachy waves. She has shed her studious tortoiseshell glasses for context and is wearing a one-shoulder crimson Hervé Leger bandage dress that is glued to her body, curves that she spent her whole life camouflaging beneath baggy sweatshirts. The dress was sent to her with one message, this is what you're wearing, the or else was implied. The sender doesn't know that Jules is already one step ahead of her. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Lisa Barr is the New York Times bestselling author of The Unbreakables and the historical thriller Fugitive Colours. Today I'm talking with Lisa about her latest novel, Woman on Fire. Lisa, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Before we talk about the incredible female characters that drive this story, let's begin with the woman at the centre of this thriller, the woman on fire. Who is she? What is she? And why do so many people want her? So the woman on fire is the painting. And this painting is the last work of the most prominent expressionist artist who was murdered by the Nazis, Ernst Engel. And this painting has been lost for nearly 75 years. And it has impacted so many different people. It's kind of a multi-generational thriller. So you have the 20 something year old, you have an 80 year old man who's looking for it. You have the 30 something year old woman and everyone has their reasons for trying to get this painting back. And of course she carries a secret too, but one we won't reveal yet. You'll have to read the book to find that out. But let's talk about those characters, those female lead characters. They're very strong characters, formidable, not your average femme fatales, I'd say. Let's start with Jules Roth. I fell for Jules Roth right away from your opening description of her, a one-shoulder Hervé Leger bandage dress that is glued to her body. That got my attention immediately, but she's smart and resourceful. What drives Jules Roth? Jules Roth, she is, of all my characters in all my books, the most like me. And I created her thinking back to a time when I was an idealistic young journalist where I would go for the story and not think about any of the consequences. And Jules Roth carries all of that. And she will not only go for the story, but she's willing to go rogue, push the envelope. And that is going to get her into trouble. And she is going to learn on her journey. You know, one is too far, too far. And so she is, you know, an interesting character. In the beginning, she starts off as someone's researcher. But as the story moves on, she becomes the main character looking for the painting, uh, really at the cost of her own life and those she loves. I've got to ask another question. Are you wearing the same Annika Baum heels that Jules Roth is wearing? 
Can you see these right now? Because <laughs> these <laughs> oh, are no. not Hanukkah bombs. <laughs> but let me tell you, I personally am a klutz, but my superpower is I could climb mountains in stilettos if I had to. Let's talk about the other really formidable character, Margot de Laurent. Now, she's quite a nasty character, but she does drink one of my favourite champagnes, so I forgive her for that. She's not the kind of person I want to cross either. The shadow of her father and her grandfather loom over her, but she reads messages on her phone while having an orgasm. What drives Margot de Laurent? Let me just say right here, I enjoyed writing her more than any of the characters. And you could ask any author, we love our bad characters because, you know, maybe it's our darkest impulses, but the best evil, so to speak, characters are the ones where the reader can empathize with them. So not everything about Margot is dark. She had a very traumatic childhood, um, but she was triggered. Her psychopathic background was triggered she is driven by control. She is driven by being the best. She is willing to go after this painting because it is the only soft spot for her that connects her to her grandfather, the only person in her life who really cared about her. So with all her evil qualities, her connection to the painting is actually her most vulnerable spot. <laughs> Margot easily picks the flimsy lock of the old man's front door, so cheap that she could have done it with a hangnail. She knows he is sleeping. He took his two pills, got into his nightshirt, turned off the light, and according to his pattern, will be snoring by 8.47. The guy is programmed like a Swiss train. She tiptoes through the short, musty foyer, past the bedroom, and toward the kitchen, which is bare bones and sterile, with just a rusty looking tea kettle and a cheap aluminum pot on the stove. She goes for the pantry first, opens it and stands back in shock. Christ, resting on homemade floor to ceiling shelves are countless rolled canvases stuffed and stacked like sardines. She estimates at least 100 rolls of varying sizes jammed on each shelf. Her heart palpitates as she carefully squeezes out the first roll from the shelf and unrolls the tattered canvas. A vibrant oil, rabbis dancing with Torahs overhead, surrounded by women and children and flying acrobats. Chagall. She pulls out another. Nude bathers congregated like fairies in a forest. Cezanne. The third. Ballet dancers huddled together pre-performance. Degas. Wheat fields filled with cypresses. Van Gogh. How did he get away with this? Rage begins to scorch through her. Him? Not that agoraphobic deadbeat, but his father, Helmut Giesler, Hitler's chief art dealer, the infamous art thief. Let's talk for a moment about the male characters. and They don't necessarily play the predictable roles in a thriller. It's not exactly a reversal of roles. They're not heroes or villains. I guess the villains are female characters. And they kind of operate under this power structure dictated by the women. They're not alpha males. They're more like the male counterpart of the Bond girl. Are they making way for the women in the story? Well, listen, I think, I mean, I loved writing my male characters, but I think this book is really a showdown between two women. And so, yeah, maybe they do revolve Bond-like uh, around these women, but uh, the male characters, Adam, you have the recovered addict, you know, the hot 
badass Adam and you have which he you know he was a former lover of Margot and he's Jules's love interest without giving anything away and he's an artist he's a brilliant artist and an artist who's reminiscent of the past of the best of the past and so uh, he's very interesting. Dan, who is the correspondent, he's also uh, Jules's hero. So he has a role in this, an important role. And then there's Ellis, who has the most important connection to the painting. And he's a designer of shoes, and not just any shoes, but the most beautiful shoes uh, that are really what they call works of art wrapped around your feet. What are his motivations for wanting the painting? Ellis Baum's connection to the painting is intimate. The strongest relationship you could have with a painting, the painting is his mother. And he is at the end of his life and he has a whole made up, make believe background. No one in the States knows who Ellis really is. He has a story that the world knows, but there's the story behind the story. And at the end of his life, what matters to him is getting this painting back to his family and um, he's going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And talking about the story behind the story, there's a story behind the story behind the story here and it's all about love, sex, art and history. There's such natural partners in this book. What's the link between all these elements in Woman on Fire? Well, everything that I write in this book and in my last two books, the thread is really how far would you go for your passion? Would you kill for it, steal for it, or would you like fight for it to the end like Jules Roth? So of course, like in any art, there's going to be passion. There's going to be risky journalistic pursuits. There's going to be history. And as you can see, there's going to be strong, fiery women who are going to uh, represent all of it in their pursuit to get this painting. So like art, there's passion. There's no way you're not going to have a steamy uh, situation here, um, but it really is going to be all the characters wrapped around this one painting who's going to create this entire response throughout the book, which is exactly how you described it. And of course, this is historical fiction, but it's a psychological thriller as well, but it's based on real events and real people. What's the background to this story and uh, where is your research taking you? Excellent question. So um, as you know, I'm a journalist. I've been an investigative reporter. I was a reporter in the Middle East for seven years. And everything that I write has a news hook. So in 2013, I came across this story known as the Munich Art Horde. And in brief, uh, in a rundown crappy apartment in Munich was discovered 1,500 masterpieces worth 1.5 billion dollars and it turns out that the old man who was guarding these paintings for you know over 50 60 years was the son of hitler's art thief hildebrand gerlet and i thought what if my unscrupulous art dealer were to rob the robber of his treasure trove and i was going to start the book right there and that's where the inspiration came for the book for woman on fire an interesting quote, and it's from Dan Mansfield, uh, Jewel Roth's journalistic hero. And he says, it's not about the money, it's personal. 
But to be honest, every single stolen artwork still out there is fucking personal. Is this story personal for you too? Yes, this story is personal. Um, I'm the daughter of a Holocaust survivor and um, I came across stolen art in the early 90s. And this is before Monuments Men, you know, the big movie that came out with George Clooney. This is before uh, Woman on Gold, the big movie that came out with Helen Mirren. This is, you know, before all of that. And I had stumbled on this story as a journalist and I knew this was my aha moment. I was going to deep dive into stolen art. I was very much impacted because you know, I had discovered that Hitler and his inner posse, most of them were artists or someone in the art world uh, in their past before they became Nazis. And they went after the avant-garde with a vengeance never seen before. So I really got um, taken in by this story and I had to go deep. And my first book explores stolen art and this book as well. And I suppose the painting woman on fire really represents that dilemma and that need for you to explore this whole aspect of art history yeah absolutely i wanted to represent my goal as a writer through suspense and making it a page turner was to reflect the more than 600,000 works of art that were stolen confiscated and looted by the third reich and i wanted to do it with the story of one painting and what happens to one painting in order to reflect the bigger picture. And I didn't wanna ram history down your throat, but I wanted you to walk away from this book with a knowledge of what happened then and, and to the, in the darkest chapter of his, in history of art, of what happened there. And so that was my goal. One final question for you, Lisa. Next time Margot de Laurent has a gallery event, can you get me an invite? Oh, you are so in. You don't even have to ask twice. The ticket's in the mail, my friend. Thank you so much. I think I'd fit right in. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for inviting me here. It's such a thrill. And I'm very excited to bring my book to your listeners. I've been talking to Lisa Barr about her book, Woman on Fire. It's published by Wilbeck, And you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. Subscribe to Good Reading Print and Online Magazine at goodreadingmagazine.com.au.